Well, hey, everyone, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome today. We're talking about getting relationships, as you probably know by now. We started a couple weeks ago talking about how important it is, first off, to get your relationship with God set up first, like it never works to pursue a person first because they're never enough. So God first. Then we said, man, you got to own your own growth. You got to take responsibility for your part in every one of your relationships. And then last week, <coughs> excuse me, Luke and Sarah uh, shared some great insights about singleness. They kind of opened our eyes and our hearts to the special burdens that singles can carry and some of the special opportunities that the single life can bring, especially for the Christian and the special need that we all have to create uh, a special kind of environment here. Uh, that's one of the reasons I love the church, honestly, is because the, the society seems to always kind of aim us toward our cliques of, of age and gender and married people and single people, but here's a place we can just be good friends with everyone, and that's good for everyone. All right, so today, we want to talk about something that honestly is on a lot of people's minds, and we probably don't talk about enough. We need to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, we need to talk about the dating game. The dating game. Uh, now, there's um, no shortage of advice out there. Uh, you can look up articles and YouTube videos and books at the bookstore and so forth. I mean, you can, you can Google some of the best pickup lines. And, and some people think that's really all there is to dating. You just lay a great pickup line out there. You're going to have people eating out of your hand, right? In fact, I'm going to invite you right now to go ahead and write your favorite pickup line, if you know one, in the chat right now or, or the comment section. Keep it clean, okay? I'll give you a couple examples. How about this one? I got some great ones here for you. So here's one, okay? This, this will work every time. Hey, is your name Google? Because you have everything I've been searching for. That's, that's a pretty good one. Okay, how about this? Hey, my name is Microsoft. Can I crash at your place tonight? That's a pretty good one, right? Uh, you want another one? Of course you do. Uh, hey, if I could rearrange the alphabet, I would put you and I together. Are you a parking ticket? Because you've got fine written all over you. Good thing I got my library card because I am totally checking you out. See, my personal favorite is, hey, would you feel this shirt? You know what that, you know what that material is? Boyfriend material right here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's bring it in here because honestly, if we're talking about like getting real, I know some of you are going to use those, but in the real world, they really don't uh, actually work. Uh, for a lot of people... Uh, if only it were that easy, you know, to throw out a pickup line. Uh, dating can be kind of frustrating, can be difficult, can be awkward. Um, we get sort of desperate, I think, and we start looking for any source of influence and input we can get in the dating game. Some, um, maybe, maybe, you, um, maybe you can relate uh, to, to that, where, where you just feel like, you know, I heard a guy say, I think the girl I asked out must be homeless because she said she would text me when she got home <laughs> or or girls are like a zero APR loan because I don't understand the terms and she keeps saying she has no interest right that's the dating game right I heard someone describe it this way here's what it feels like to me I feel like I'm pushing my tray along the line in the cafeteria nothing looks that good but I got to pick something by the time I get up to the cashier you know and, and so that that's that's just the, the problem we're up against right 
Now, there's a whole lot of people who would love some straight talk and some biblical teaching about dating. Uh, some teenagers would, some college-age kids, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. A lot of us would. Now, let's remember a couple things first. Not everybody who's single is interested in dating, all right? About half of single people say they're not looking for a relationship, they're not looking for a date at all. And there's nothing, not only is there nothing wrong with that, in fact, that can very often and should be a good and noble and godly thing. Listen to last week's message. But here's the other thing. About half of single people do want to date. It's like about 60 million people and a lot of us are looking for that kind of relationship, maybe a romantic partner. And they're trying to find a way to win at the dating game. Half of 18 to 30-year-olds have used a, a dating site or an app. But get this, about half of all Americans say dating is harder now than it's ever been. It's just gotten more complicated with sexual harassment and confusion about boundaries, and it's just harder. And listen to this, 70% of people who are dating say that their dating life is really not going well. And they struggle not only to know who to date, but how to date once they find someone. So... I also know this. I, I know as we talk about a topic like this, some of you are like, I appreciate the pickup line jokes. I'll use those. But honestly, this doesn't sound like a sermon for me because maybe you think you're past the dating stage or you're too old, you're married, you're just not interested. Here's what I want to say to you. This message is for everyone. In fact, let me take a moment to encourage you right now to send this link to someone, invite them to watch it with you right now or maybe later. Let me tell you why. Because the biblical principles we're going to talk about today apply to how you choose all of your long-term friends and partners in life. We all need to know all this stuff. And second, even if you're not dating, people you care about are or want to be. You've got friends, you've got kids or grandkids or others in your life who need guidance. You know, a lot of us, myself included, wish we had more godly advice when we were dating. And now you can be that kind of advisor, that kind of counselor to someone else. Because the truth is, most people, a lot of us, try to figure out this whole dating game on our own, which often just kind of leaves us to kind of follow usually bad examples in the world around us. So I love verses of Scripture like Proverbs 4, verses 5 and through 7, which, which simply says, get wisdom, okay? Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. When it comes to dating and relationships, we need wisdom. In the Bible, you know, wisdom just means practical, godly, common sense truth that actually makes sense in the real world, like it works. And then it says, don't forget my words or turn away from them. Here's what happens in dating. Sometimes when we kind of want someone, we lose our minds. I, she looks great in the leggings. He's, his hair is so awesome. And, and, and all of a sudden, I'm so in love, we say, and I don't want to lose this. And we turn away from wisdom and we regret it. And the Bible is saying, don't do that. Don't turn your back on wisdom. Wisdom is going to protect you. She'll guard you. Getting wisdom is the best thing you can do. Whatever else you do, whoever else you pursue, get wisdom, get understanding. And that's what we want to do. It's what we're doing in this whole series as we're trying to get relationships. We're, we're going we're to seek God's wisdom for the dating game, all right? So one of the best things you can do if you want, you know, to cherish a girl is to cherish godly wisdom. Or if you want to embrace a, a man, well, embrace godly wisdom and counsel first. Now, <clears throat> when you go to the Bible, it's interesting. There really isn't a ton in there. Like, it's not a chapter on, you know, first dating. It's not there. Um, 
in terms of expressly talking about dating as we come to think about it today. I mean, you could talk about Mary and Joseph and get lots of good things there. But, but I'll tell you, here's a principle that does stand out that really seems to apply, and that is this, that God, God doesn't waste any of us, and he's very interested in you and your life. And that your life is not aimless. It's not meant to be some kind of vague experience where you're drifting or floating from one thing to the next without any real direction or purpose or meaning. No, 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 no. A Christian, think about it. A Christian someone who has heard Jesus say, follow me. And you've responded to that calling. That's who I'm talking to you right now. And, and, and so there's a drawing and a pull in a definite direction that gives your life a sense of destiny and purpose and meaning. So that means that a couple things. One, it means you're not looking to date someone to give you all that purpose and meaning and destiny and direction because you've already got it from Jesus. And second thing it means is this, that if your life has direction and a purpose and an aim to it, then it makes no sense to date in a way that is aimless and kind of leaves you drifting. So I'm going to throw out something to you and I'm going to talk about the difference between kind of aimless dating and sort of what we might call intentional dating, all right? Most people that you see in the culture at large kind of just participate in what's called aimless dating, recreational dating. It's all about just having some fun in the moment. It's not really, though, aiming toward anything necessarily. You're just kind of letting life happen. Dating is part of what's happening to you. You know, someone said, when you aim at nothing, you're probably going to hit it. And that's true in your dating life as well. Whereas dating on purpose or more of an intentional dating is dating in a way that kind of keeps God's purposes in view. Like it's just as fun as aimless dating. In fact, it's more fun because it preserves your purpose and keeps you on your path and it can preserve your purity and your whole life is going somewhere and the dating is part of that. You know, one author says, you know, when he describes what we're talking about here, he says it's driven by a clear goal to, to learn about and prepare for the covenant of marriage. It's about learning about yourself and another person and about the covenant of marriage and whether this relationship is going to move in that direction or not. But in the right person, in the right way, in the right time, that is one outcome of intentional dating. And if your dating life doesn't help you in those ways, it may be just kind of that you're doing the, the, the aimless dating game aimless dating game you see it all over the place it's somebody saying well i'm going to date him and then i'm going to date him and then i'm going to date him i'm going to date her i'm going to date her and get date her you're just kind of bouncing around it might be a series of one night stands or impulsive infatuations or a string of short-term relationships maybe some overlapping love affairs right usually plenty of drama a lot of complications and it's often very focused on the present in the moment and the fun we're having in this moment but very little thought about the future in fact, the last thing on your mind is any kind of covenant or commitment because, you know, it's just not what's on your mind. And that's why, by the way, in these kinds of dating relationships, it's a lot easier to get casual about the physical aspect of the relationship. And that stuff, by the way, it sticks with you forever. People you hook up with or friends with benefits, someone that you're intimate with, you see them later at a party, whatever, that's awkward. It has a lasting impact on you. So... I think if we're honest and going to get real about relationships, we have to acknowledge there's a kind of dating that's not just harmless fun. Sometimes you get into a relationship and you discover that, man, I've invested this time. I've poured myself into this. And you realize it's really just kind of taking away from you. 
Maybe you feel like your heart's getting harder or your outlook's becoming more negative or your self-esteem is getting beat down or you find yourself moving further and further from God. You know, some dating relationships can have all those effects on you. If you open your heart to the wrong person, they can dampen your dream. They can discourage God's very purpose in your life. And even after the relationship is over, you can find that that passion is still dampened and you lost time, you lost vision, you lost some hope because you were wrongly aligned in a relationship in a kind of aimless dating game. So it's not just harmless fun. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32 and following, Paul is talking about the resurrection. It's a big, beautiful section of Scripture. And what a big difference it makes in our lives. It, it's, it's another reason he says that we have a, a kind of focus and aim in our life. If we, if we didn't believe that God had a future for us, well, then he says, well, sure, then whatever, be aimless. Just he says, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Like, what the heck, right? I mean, that's how some people go about their dating. Just have a good time. Don't care about it. Just, you know, whatever happens, it's all good. Doesn't matter. Just enjoy what you can in the moment. But then the next verse reminds us of the truth of wisdom. Get wisdom. He says, well, but don't be misled. Because that kind of relationship will eventually affect you in a negative way. Bad company corrupts good character. You, you give your heart to the wrong person and they, they can sour you. So he says in verse 34, like, wake up, you know, think carefully about what's right. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Like some of us need to just make a change for there are some who are ignorant of God. We've, we've seen it. I've seen it a hundred times. You know, a girl, good girl gets with bad dude or good dude gets with bad girl. And before you know it, they, they turn into like a different person, doing stuff they didn't ever used to do, stuff that isn't what God wants and isn't going to help them fulfill their purpose in life. Friends, aimless dating uh, doesn't really work. And it seems to me if we want to get wisdom, then we admit that this kind of approach with just this vague hope that maybe sort of kind of one day this will all magically turn into something really solid and substantive, that approach never delivers on what it, what it sort of holds out and promises to us. You can't take all the risk out of dating, but you certainly don't have to waste your relational life with no aim to it. So one, one aspect here is that, that dating itself is probably not necessarily best thought of as kind of a permanent phase in life. I like what Pastor Mike says. He says, when you go to the airport and you get in one of those little shuttles that connects you between terminals like a tram or whatever, you're going to get on get on at terminal A and you got to get over to, to terminal C. You have a destination in mind. You have a, a direction and an aim, right? Dating is like that. It's like the tram. It's supposed to take you someplace, right? You're not supposed to just ride around on the tram forever. They don't even put seats on those things, right? You're not supposed to, you're supposed to hang in there until it gets you where you're going to go. And dating is like that. It's supposed to either be the place that takes you to you have clarity about maybe a next move, whether it's a covenant of marriage or maybe on the way there you realize this is not the person, this is not the thing. I'm going to get off at Terminal B instead because I don't, I don't want to be on this ride anymore and I'll just get off and wait for another tram. And that's okay. But just riding it around all day and all night isn't really the point of a tram or of, of dating. I know some people are like scared. Well, I can't break up. I can't get off this tram. You know, what, 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 if, what if I never find anybody? Well, what if the person you're riding the tram with isn't the right person? Then you'll never meet the right person. <laughs> Just know that, that dating doesn't really work great when you treat it like the destination. It, it's, it's meant to be more like the tram, the transportation to get someplace 
that God and you want to go together. So we're not going to ignore the future, detract from your calling, or dampen your purpose in the way we date, right? So the Bible doesn't, as I said, you know, lay out a plan for dating, but you could just hang this banner over it all. And, and, and I'm thinking of the banner that we could find in Scripture like 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, I love that, or whatever, do it all for the glory of God. Think about that. Whatever you do, like little daily stuff, like eating and drinking, and then the big things, of course, but whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You know what? Whatever you do includes dating. So if you're going to date, we've got to figure out how to do it for the glory of God. What a radical concept, huh? We're going to date for the glory of God. Wow. I mean, that's so crazy. It's very different than the kind of dating and the aimlessness that we see in life. It's very different. It's a way of saying, I want to please God with all of my life, and I'm going to bring dating under the lordship of Jesus. It means that you're going to be more selective in who you date. It means you're going to, it means you're going to evaluate how the relationship is going. And if it gets off the rails or becomes misguided, I'm either going to call it off or, or maybe this one is coming along well and, and I'm going to take it to its goal. Or, or it also means you're not going to be in a hurry to, to commit your mind and your heart and your body to another person because you, you've got some boundaries. And when I think of boundaries, I think of that great verse, uh, Proverbs 4.23 which says, above all else, guard your heart. You know, imagine just kind of guarding your heart. Put some boundaries around there. I'm not going to just go wherever this relationship wants to take me because I've got some aim. I've got some gates. You can't just get in that easy. That's dating to the glory of God. If you want to date to the glory of God, I think there's two big questions you've got to ask. Number one, you've got to ask, is who I'm dating bringing glory to God? Is who I'm dating? And the best way... For this to happen is when both people are following God. It's just plain and simple. It's not about what they say about their faith. It's, it's, it's about how they actually live. You know, what, what do they watch? How do they talk? What do they post? Does it prove that they love God? You know, I, I don't want to get off on a sidebar here, but I, there's, there's plenty of stories about people who say, well, I dated someone and they weren't a believer and they took them on as a project and it all ended great and we're both Christians today, you know, but way more often, you know what, it works the other way around. So when I hear someone say, I love this guy, you know, he's not a believer, but I think he's so sweet and he's got a lot of potential and I'm taking him on as a project, you know, and if you ask me and you want to know what I think, I would say, let him go. Let him go. I'm not saying that don't date someone unless they're a paragon of virtue or they're, or they're perfect or you know, a super saint or something like that. But if they're not following Jesus or interested in that, if they're not committed and growing and showing evidence of that, let him go. Let him go. Let her go. Let, let, let him go. It's okay. You're going to be okay. Because you, you, it's like, it's like trying, to, trying to make a cake and starting with the wrong ingredients. You're not going to get where you want to go. You're going to end up with Play-Doh or something instead of cake. So it's who you're dating, bringing glory to God. And the second thing I would say for the believer, I would say is, is how you're dating, bringing glory to God. So think about what this dating relationship is about and where it's going and what it does in the world. If your relationship brings out the worst in you, insecurities or negativity, that's a red flag. 
if your relationship's very inward focused. It's never about a blessing or doing anything for anyone else, but it's always just about your own kind of enjoyment. Eh, that's a red flag. Or if your relationship's mostly about spending time in the backseat of a car, steaming up the windows, or spending time in bed somewhere, or if, or if people watch the two of you together, or if people could read the texts that you exchanged with one another, and that would compromise your witness with Christ, that's a red flag. Those are clues about the relationship and whether it's good for you or not, and whether it's bringing glory to God. You know, there's a passage that is often used here um, that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, he says this. He says, don't be yoked together or try to partner um, with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer, in other words, be a partner with an unbeliever? Don't be unequally yoked. Don't, don't, get, don't get in with the wrong person just because they be fine and they got some dimes. That's what it's trying to say. That's what the Bible's saying there. It's not worth it because you're going to end up being miserable because you're pulling in different directions and you'll feel that pull when you, when you get in with someone, whether it's a business partner or a dating or whatever, when you have competing priorities about what really is important. The unequally yoked phrase comes from farming, right? So like a, a smart farmer knew that when you, when you went out to farm, you took your plow and you hooked it up and you got two oxes or oxens or oxes or mules, say, and then you put that big piece of wood over their shoulders and then th they could pull together. But you knew you were smart. You didn't put a strong ox next to a weak one or a big one next to a small one because they would like be working against each other. They would be pulling in opposite directions. They'd probably hurt each other. You want to get them equally yoked so they can pull straight and, and work together and in harmony. And that's the relationship concept the Bible's teaching with people. Spiritually speaking, you want to be yoked together with someone who feels the same way you do about the place of God in your life. That's how you're going to have peace in your relationship. That's how you're going to be able to plow a straight path and get, like, you both want to go over there, so you're going there instead of, like, meandering, like, we're going to go here and there when you have decisions about money and what, the, what about the kids and resolving conflict. And this is true not just in dating or marriage, but in business and partnership. I mean, if you don't have a shared commitment in God, it's not partnership, it's almost like war. You're pulling in different directions. So you can save yourself a lot of heartache and trouble and conflict and the risk of being pulled away from God. If you remember, I love what, I love what uh, uh, Mike Todd says. He says, if, if he's not mateable, he ain't dateable. <laughs> if she's not mateable, she's not dateable. In other words, if you, wouldn't, if, you, if you know you can't marry this person for these reasons, then, then don't, don't get aimless in the dating game. My grandpa used to say, you know, he'd see me with a girl and he'd say, can you take her to church? I'd say, yeah, grandpa, I can bring her to church. All right, you bring her to church. He says, because if you can't bring her to church, don't bring her anywhere. <laughs> that was his way of saying, don't be equally yoked. Our friend Nathan McDade used to describe it this way. You say your main goal in life is to pursue Jesus, to run with Jesus, right? So you're like, Jesus says, follow me. So you, that's your aim in life. You just start running after him, and that's your main thing. Your main thing isn't to run around all over looking for a partner. You run after Jesus. You get on with it. That's where your purpose is going to be found. And as you're going along, you just might see someone else who's pursuing Jesus as well. They're running along as well, moving in the same direction as you toward Jesus. 
They may not be perfect, but they're making progress just like you. They might be faster or slower, but they're going the same direction. And you run along, and you might look over and say, hey, you want to run together? You don't stop running and hug each other and stop and go the other direction. No, you, you both keep running toward Jesus. In fact, you can do it better because you have the encouragement of each other. But now instead of running alone, you might be able to run with someone else for a while. And as you do, that's called dating to the glory of God. Now, what are we going to do about finding, you know, as we're running along, how do we find someone and maybe we decide it's, I don't know, looks like I'd like to run with that person and you use one of my pickup lines and the next thing you know, it's like, well, we're going to give it a go. How do we date to the glory of God? Let me give you just two couple quick ideas here. I would just say this. I would say, one, pray about it and keep pursuing Jesus. Pray about this. What I'm trying to get at here is that Remember to surrender this part of your life to Christ completely, like every part of it. Don't make it a compartment where you're trying to do a Jesus thing over here, and then you've got this separate dating world that's untouched by your faith commitment and the Word of God. Say, Jesus, I give you my dating life, all of it. Lord, I want to find a mate. Maybe you want to say that. Maybe you want to say, Lord, I want your help in this. Lord, help me have good judgment and help me to get wisdom. But in this too, I'm going to follow you. You keep pursuing Jesus. And you pray about it. You keep talking to him. Say, Lord, this is yours. And if you don't, I tell you what, if you don't start, you know, following the Lord in your dating, it's going to be really hard to follow him in your marriage. And the second thing I would say is be chill and build a friendship. Okay? Relax. Give it time. I like to say, give it 90 days, you know, the length of a football season where you just hang out and build a friendship. Don't have to have a lot of money or do a lot of creative stuff. Just hang out a little bit. Agree in that 90 days to keep your hands off each other. Just become friends. Share, talk to each other. Share fears. Set boundaries in that time. You know, and boundaries are important, by the way. We'll talk a little more about that next week. But, you know, agree. It'll set you free if you can just agree. What kind of touching, hugging, kissing are we going to do? A lot of people like the swimsuit rule. If a swimsuit covers it, we're not going to touch it. But you got to set that up and get it clear so you can get to know each other and not be buried by the physical or the pressure of the dating game. Just, just be chill. Build a friendship. Now, how do you know after you do those things? I prayed, I pursued, we're being chill, we got a friendship going. How do I know if it's time to go to the next step or call it off? Maybe, how do I know to, whether I get off on Terminal B or I take this thing to Terminal C? How do you know? I'm going to give you five quick things that you should look for in someone. And, and these aren't necessarily in the Bible, but I think they're biblical principles. I'll say this, number one. You're looking for character and compatibility around the things of God. That's what you're looking for, more important than anything. You, you say to yourself, I could see myself partnering with you for the rest of my life. That's what you're looking for. I tell you what this, is what, this is what I love so much about my wife, Carla. I'll tell you the things that fuel my attraction and desire for her right now aren't just her physical well-being. And I'm plenty attracted to her. I mean, hubba hubba, I, I still got that, right? Okay, that's there. She's very attractive, and I love that. But you know what? You know what? When I see her love on someone, when I see her mentor a younger woman, when I see her serve in a selfless way that no, none of you ever see, when I see the way she parents my kids, when I see her do some selfless act for me and I, real, I catch her in the act, 
I'm telling you what, those things mean so much more to me than the physical that first attracted me to her. Look for character and compatibility in the things of God. My son was dating somebody one time. We went to lunch. I wasn't sure about it. I'm, I'm not sure he was sure about it. I asked him one question. I said, is this the person you want to do life with for the rest of your life? And is this the person you want to raise your children? His eyes got real big. And then he broke up. Because you're looking for character and compatibility around the things of God. It's not a value judgment about a person. It might just be a fit thing. But you've got to get past the physical and, oh, you know, I just, I'm so enamored with them. You've got to get to the soul, the heart, the life, and the character of a person and see if they're in, kinked, in sync with you, the compatibility around the things of God. All right. Now, we've got to, we've got to figure out also then um, how to assess a relationship. How are we going to do that? I'm going to give you five things because when I hear a couple saying, oh, I'm so in love, we're never going to have any arguments. We're perfect for each other. It's just like all they see is like looks good in leggings, beautiful hair, love them in a denim jacket. We're just going to hug each other and have puppies in sunshine the rest of our life. And I think, will you get real because you, you, you're so infatuated you don't even know what's going on. Here's what you're looking for, y'all. Let's just give five quick things. Number one, you're looking for commitment. Do they know how to commit to other stuff? Like, do they commit to the Lord? Do they commit to a church? Do they change churches every week? Like they change their underwear. And if so, why? What's going on with that? When they experience challenge or difficulty, do they quit and leave? That's a yellow flag. Do they do hard work in their job or school? Or are they slackers? Do they cut corners? Because I'm telling you, those are traits that will not serve well in a relationship or a marriage. Number two, do they have a good group of friends? What kind of friends do they have? How do they treat their friends? Pay attention to that. Are their friendships all kind of long-term, good, strong ones? Are they short-term? There's a trail of people they don't talk to anymore. Why is that? Are they open and honest with anyone? Are they a loner who's like only willing to really talk to you? That's a red flag. Number three, look at their temperament. Look at their temperament. Are they super moody? That means they probably got some internal work to do. Are they super insecure? I mean, everyone's insecure to a degree, right? But if a person is paralyzed, that's a sign there's some internal work they've got to do before they can be a flourishing human being who understands their identity in Christ and can be a good partner, a good parent, and so on. Look at them when they are upset. What do they do? How do they act? Do they flip out? What do they do when they get angry? When someone cuts them off in traffic, is, is it sort of, you know, what, what happens there? Temperament's important. What, what's their relationship with substances? Are they always in control? Here's one I love. Pay attention to how they treat waiters and waitresses, like little people that they don't really have to have a relationship with. What do you observe about that and about what it says about their temperament? And number four, I would pay attention to their family situation. What's their family situation? You know, how do they treat their parents with respect? Their siblings with care? Or do you sense a super sour attitude where they're maybe not really doing their part to, to make relationships around them work? Number five, what's, what's the rep reputation? What's the reputation with others? What are, your, what are your true friends telling you about this relationship? If you've got true friends that are like, man, I just, this is so good. I really see beautiful things. It's bringing out in you. Listen to that. But if you're true friends now, I'm not talking about friends who are trying to flatter you or whatever, but I'm talking about your true friends and they say, this is, I don't know, this makes me concerned. Or if they ask you questions like, have you ever thought about, pay attention to that. Because true friends aren't going to be smitten like you are. 
Courtship or godly dating is a process of getting to know someone until you're no longer wearing those rose-colored glasses. That's your goal. In the relationship of, of, of dating in, in the Bible and what we call intentional, purposeful dating, it's going to lead it's going to lead either for you to get off at Terminal B or it could even lead to a kind of what the Bible calls covenantal love. We'll talk about that another week. A sort of act of commitment and will where you see full with eyes wide open the flaws and the warts and the wrinkles. You see the little bit of crazy in that person and you say, I'm not going anywhere, ever. I know what I'm getting and I'll walk with your crazy in that. And I love you and I value you. I see you for who you are. And that's something I want to be part of for the rest of my days. If you'll take my crazy, I'll take yours. And we're going to talk about that in coming weeks. Talk about sexuality next week. We'll talk about marriage in coming weeks. One last thing before we go. Probably need to talk about what Neil Sedaka sang about in 1966. Some of you old-timers know what I'm talking about. Why the song starts with down, doobie, doo, down, down. Comma, comma, down. Breaking up is hard to do. Well, it is hard to do, but sometimes, you know what? It's the best thing to do, and it's the right thing to do. It's the necessary thing to do, and it's the liberating, freeing thing to do so you can be freed up to pursue, get back on track with the calling and the purpose that God has for your life. I used to say to my kids when they were thinking about going out with somebody, <laughs> I'd say, you know, there's only three ways this ends. They're like, what? What are you talking about? I'm saying, well, there's only three ways out of this relationship. You, know, you started this relationship, it's some, you know, one, of you is, one or both of you is going to die. Or you break up. Or you get married. So if you're both still alive and you haven't put a ring on it, then at some point you may have to learn how to break up. And it's not always pleasant to think about, but it's better than thinking about the alternative. And so many people have wasted so much of their life and their time and have so much hurt and wasted years and low self-esteem and drifting and aimlessness in their life because they weren't familiar with the biblical concept of necessary endings. Uh, by the way, there's a book by that title. I highly recommend it. Sometimes it's time to move on. Someone needs to hear this today because of a relationship that you're in and you know that it's time for there to be a necessary ending. I remember, no one's perfect. You're not perfect. It's something we're talking about. But some of you know this relationship's not ever going to bring glory to God. It's detracting from my purpose and my place. It might be abusive. Maybe you don't even like him, but you just don't know how to end it. Or maybe you like him so much that you can't focus on God. It may be time for that conversation. So take inventory. Look at your relationships all of us, all of your relationships, do they add value to your life in the way that God desires? Some of the problems you face are a result of the people you embrace. Let me say that again. Some of the problems you face are because of the people you embrace. When, when God wants to bless your life, how does he do it? He brings a person or people into your life. When the devil wants to distract or destroy you, how does he do it? He brings a person into your life. And your job is to discern the difference and figure out, you know, do I stay on this tram or do I get off at Terminal B? If this relationship is pushing you toward God, 
you stay on it sometimes. And if it's leading you away from them, it's time for a necessary ending. And if you need to make that decision, hang on the words of Proverbs 3 that says this, just trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Like you've surrendered this to him, like trust him. Don't depend on what you think. Like seek his will in all you do and he'll show you which path to take. And my advice to you is if you know it's time, three things. One, end it quickly. Like don't put this off. Be obedient and do it now. Number two, end it kindly. Don't have to be nasty. Don't have to badmouth. You speak well and you, you just say, I desire to honor you and be thankful. And I know some people are crazy and you just got to say, don't ever call me again. But you can be kind most of the time. And three, end it cleanly. Don't like leave the door open like, well, maybe we should take a break or let's see, you know, I don't know. Let's just leave the door open. No, no, just end it cleanly. And remember this, if the Lord wants you out of a relationship, he'll help you get through this. And if that relationship isn't bringing glory to God and not helping you fulfill your, your purpose and breaking up might be hard, but I promise you it is not as hard as the alternative and the lasting impact that you'll have. So my heart goes out to you if that's you right now and you're kind of worried about the security or the familiarity that you might need to, it just makes you nervous to think about losing that. But it's an opportunity also for you to trust in God like maybe you haven't in a long time that maybe this relationship's been preventing you from. If God's gonna lead you through this time of breakup, he'll help you on the other side of it as well. So I just want to close by just sharing a, a, two scriptures that people have been calling on for thousands of years, and it's especially for those who need to have a necessary ending, and for all of us as we commit ourselves to the Lord in full. Let's pray together, and I'll just read these scriptures from the book of Isaiah. God, your word says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you, Hmm. And then you say, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. And I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Amen. Amen.